0: It's Around the House. In our first member exclusive interview here, we actually talk about me, Eric G. What's my history? How did I grow up? How did I get to be who I am today? And more importantly, what are the trials and tribulations and the battles that I've had to fight to get this far? What got me going on home improvement? What got me going to do what I'm doing today? Tune in and find out in this exclusive member episode of Around the House. And a special thanks to Jeff Tracy, the cowboy cook, for helping with today's show. Now, let's get to the program. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to the Around the House show. This is where we help you get the most out of your own through information and education. Thanks for joining us today. This is a special members only jacket no just kidding this is a members only exclusive (laughs) that we're gonna have and i got my buddy jt here the cowboy cook probably heard him out there on the radio on our podcast on barbecue nation we're gonna talk about me today and my history what about eric g today thanks for coming on and helping jt
1: not a problem buddy so um these are the questions that sometimes people flinch a little bit about when you ask them, you know, so,
0: you know, me, I steer into them. I'm like, ah, let's, let's bring it. Oh, let's yeah. talk about it.
1: Lean your shoulder into that one. Yeah. You know, you got to do that.
0: So <clears throat> I've
1: known you for a while now, buddy. Oh yeah. And, uh, we have a lot of, uh, similar life experiences. Um, and as we go on, we, you know, we've known each other for getting close to 10 years now, but it seems like we always are exchanging different things that happened. Yep. And we find out that we have a lot a lot in common, which is probably why we get along so well. <laughs> uh, but uh, because we work in an industry that's kind of tough sometimes. Yeah. You know. There's there's a lot of, n- of people out, out there and don't take this personally if you're listening, but in, in the media world, there's a lot of people that aren't really stand up folks. You know,
0: no. And there's a lot of people head, you know that are taking headshots at you from every angle and you just don't know until you hear the bullet whiz by that they missed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you hear the splat. And then you go dark, yep. and then maybe you know, they they do that <laughs> so anyway i thought I thought it would be good for people to know a little bit more about you yeah um y- you know y- you've lived in you've lived in Seattle, you've lived in eastern Washington, you've lived in the Portland area, I think you you know spent uh, a year or one weekend in Saskatoon, I'm not sure, <laughs> but uh,
0: I've been up in the prairies. Ha- <laughs>
1: And you and you like me, you worked on radio. You have a bit more of a actual music background than I do, other than spinning records, as mm-hmm. we would say. Um, so, first of all, whatever possessed you being a rational person to get into the media business?
0: <laughs> you know, I think it was me in my high school years in the 80s listening to rock radio and going, I want to be that guy. Yeah, you know? And I spent a lot of, and being in, growing up in the Tri-Cities in Eastern Washington, there wasn't a lot of like music venues you could hit as a kid. I mean, we I saw every concert I could, but really that was kind of my only, yeah, this is before the internet, of course, kids out there, that uh, that was kind of the only way you had to the outside world was the radio. And there was, I mean, TV didn't have a lot back then. This is before even MTV and that stuff. I mean, it was like solid gold or, you know, Dick Clark, where your kind of music things you had on television. Music just wasn't out there a lot at the time. It was radio. And so I loved it. It was the number one media for it at the time. And, you know, I took in high school, I took a couple of years of radio TV production in our own uh, trade school there uh, that was part of our high school. And that's what got me going.
1: So, here's a little off off-topic question, but did you ever have a a radio hero and then when you actually met them or saw them, you're like, "Really?" <laughs> you know, you hear these voices mm-hmm. and you 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 conjure up a an image uh in your mind about what that person should look like? You know, yeah. we used to call it the voice of God, you know? When yeah, you,
0: absolutely. You,
1: all the all the announcers sent, you know, sounded the same. Yep. And you would think this guy was on the cover of Vogue uh, or Jiku um, mm-hmm. or something like that. And he turns out to be five foot four and, you know, weigh 97 pounds. But he's got this voice. So did you
0: ever have those um, on the music side? Not really, because we just had the local DJs. We didn't have a lot of national shows in the Tri-Cities growing up. So you would meet those people and just like anybody, when you meet them in radio, you go, oh, that's not the picture I had in my head. But there wasn't like a lot of personalities because a lot of people went to the Tri-Cities, of course, and they started their career up in a smaller market and then they moved on. So there's only kind of a handful of those guys, right, that were out there that hung around for a little bit. And ironically, one of them, I actually got to meet just a few weeks ago when I was in the tri Cities. So um, there's a DJ in Kennewick there uh, at the time that was on the rock station a lot. He was the morning show guy, Kurt Cartier. He just always did it. Got to work with him for a second when I was up at the boat races here in the Trey Cities for their big hydroplane races. And I jumped on 610 KONA with those guys. And he was helped bought in the broadcast booth. I walked up to go meet with the guys to go on air with them and I heard the voice I'm like I know that voice I grew up with that voice but uh yeah. he actually um dude's taken killer care of himself he looked great I hadn't seen him in 25 years but I'm like wow man well done I mean he uh he was in great shape you know his voice was great and uh you know for a guy in his um probably late 50s early 60s did a Fine job of taking care of himself. So I was kind of impressed because it doesn't always work that way in radio.
1: No, um, I'm probably living proof of that. <laughs> but we'll just move on from there. So, so when you when you when you left Tri Cities, you go to Seattle. Yeah. So, or did you come to Portland? No, I went to
0: Seattle first because I was spending so much time up there. I loved music, and that was the closest. All of my connections, you know, were, were Washington-based, so I did a lot of stuff in Seattle. So in the 90s, I spent many of my weekends over in the Tri-Cities traveling to Seattle for concerts, and I had a buddy, uh, Greg, who was a private pilot. He had graduated from University of North Dakota, so I was working at this Eagle hardware store in the mid-90s, and Eagle got bought by Lowe's. And if you don't know what Eagle was, Eagle was this hardware store that had like a Lowe's store, a lot of the same things, except it had, you know, six more aisles of hardware, finely polished VCT white floors, and everything was just perfectly clean. Things were, you know, they had just, their, their logo was more of everything. So they just were jam-packed of a great hardware store and, you know, home improvement store. But he was working there. He needed to get hours for his plane so he could be a private pilot and fly jets and stuff around or whatever he wanted to do. So he needed to get hours and he liked music too. So I would chip in for gas. I'd stay at my buddy's house in Seattle. We'd fly up there into Puyallup actually and and, uh, leave work with our little backpacks, cruise up there, fly up there, go see a show, get up at five o'clock in the morning after some sleep, fly the hour and 20 minutes back, land. And then 10 minutes before our shift, we'd walk into the work and, and work on a Saturday after seeing a Friday night concert. So it was cool. We did there that for go. a number of years, just getting, um just getting our time done so we could enjoy it.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> the whole rule used to be eight hours between bottle and throttle on airplanes. You guys might've hedged that a little um, bit,
0: but. Yeah. Luckily I wasn't the one flying. Greg wasn't a huge drinker, so he was pretty good at that. Um. He was just not a guy that would, you know, he'd have a beer with dinner kind of thing, but was definitely not the, uh, like, not like most of my other friends at the time. And we'll just leave it at that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's probably a good thing. You and I did not know each other in those days. Yeah. So when you, when you moved over to what was your first radio job, real radio. First real radio job.
0: So I was uh, doing my stuff in the Tri-Cities there. My first radio job was... At these two stations, uh, KTCR and KOTY country out there. And um, it's funny. I'm still friends with the guy that was my first radio shift. I was producing his show. They hired me to do it. And I produced my first live show with four interviewees of Tri-City Americans hockey players on my first day. And it was Tony's first day, Tony out there. And we did radio and it was the studio wasn't set up, so the station manager was there. We had cables everywhere. It was a little tiny radio station. They had, it was not set up for interviewing four hockey players. So I was literally sitting out at the receptionist <laughs> desk for the radio station with a control board there looking through the little window so I could do it. And there were you know, cables, and it was, it was a, a science project. But it worked. But uh, had some memorable interviews there as well. Well, you know,
1: <clears throat> that's how they started Amazon mm-hmm. in Jeff Bezos's garage. Yeah, and uh, um, they had cables running down the hallway to the bedrooms where they were. Anyway, I heard this story from a guy I, when I worked at Amazon, and that reminds me of the same thing. Was the station like if um, they dead? We don't play them stuff.
0: Nah, they were. So they were. This was a you know on the countryside. <laughs> it was. Um, it was, you know, country and then oldies country, all at the same kind of thing. So it was, uh, they were playing on the new right. stuff back then, but it was reel-to-reel. So it was a reel-to-reel thing. They shipped us, you had four <laughs> reel-to-reel machines and it was timed out. And, uh, you know, you were, you were clicking forward. You had carts that were looking like eight-track tapes that you played the commercials on. And, oh, uh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. when I'd work the night shift, so I'd work the afternoon shift to do the talk sports Tri-Cities thing. And then nights I worked... You know, my shift was always moving around being the young guy at the group there, but I would work an evening shift and then I would be doing the radio before automation I was doing or semi-automation, I would have to run between studios, which was probably 20 feet at the top of the hour and switch the AM station to the other satellite and plug in the satellite numbers and hit enter You know, and then run back over with a hot mic and be going, hey, I mean, you had about two seconds to get everything right. Otherwise, there was dead air. So you were running two stations at the same time, which was tough, but made me work. Been there, done that. Yeah. Been there, done that, man. That's
1: okay. So did Was it the music scene that drew you more to Seattle when you lived up there?
0: It was, and here's the thing, and this is going to be where I was in my design career because, you know, I had actually started out uh, with radio TV production, started that job there, and then realized I could make $2 more an hour cooking fries at McDonald's than having an afternoon drive time shift in the Tri-Cities, and they weren't going to pay me anymore, and quite frankly, the reason I quit the radio is that they bounced two paychecks. And after I had two paychecks in a row bounce, I'm like, I'm not working for free anymore. I can't afford to. And so I I quit on the spot and they eventually paid me, but it took a while to get through that process. But, uh, that's, that's how that worked. But, uh, yeah, once, once I got going in kitchen and bathroom design, I realized I had, you know, peaked in that town career wise, I couldn't do anything more either. I was kind of there was some writing on the walls. Working for Eagle Hardware, they were getting bought out by Lowe's, and they were doing the old "nothing's ever going to change." Which, even at twenty five, I knew there was a lot going to change. And so, here's how I figured that out: is I turned around and and called to North Carolina where they were located, and I called a store down there from, from the station, uh, you know, from the uh, you know from the um, hardware store. The store. Called there and just went, "Hey guys, think about transferring down there." do you guys have commissions? Do you have spiffs? Do you have all these things that I was making great money on? They went, Oh no, no, you're just by the hour. We don't have any of those programs. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to take a huge pay cut. So at the same time, Home Depot was opening up and, uh, in the, in Washington and Oregon, uh, they were expanding into the area. So I took a job with them because I could see the writing on the wall there and they didn't have anybody to run their kitchen stores, you know, kitchen departments. So they hired me to, uh, to do that. And so I had I worked for 366 days for Home Depot cuz I had a one year contract. And uh I used them to transfer up to Seattle so I didn't have to go working for a job. I actually got a pay increase to go up there. So it worked out well. What
1: prompted your uh your real interest in you know, you worked at Eagle Hardware mm-hmm. and all that, but when you got into kitchen design and then you know, more expansion of your career after that. What was the, what was the impetus for that? And then, um I guess I would say everybody's going to need a house. Well, mostly everybody, um, you know, and so is that a good career to look at? Not the radio part, but just the design work and the, you know, working in, uh, not the actual construction where you're out there pounding or yeah. or shooting nails, but like that.
0: I think it's a great place to be. I mean, think about it in the 90s. I was making, working in a hardware store, I was making about 80 grand, to uh, 90 grand a year in my mid-20s, which was pretty good yeah. for not having any paying for any education in that and all that. So I was making great money back then and just kept going. So, I mean, if you do it right now, it's a six-figure income. If you're good at what you're doing. And that's, uh, and that's tough because you're balancing design and sales together into one. So you've got to have this creative side, but you also have to have the sales side to go with it. So it's kind of a right brain, left brain thing. But yeah, I mean, it was it was a great career that I had during that time to, to do that. And it was different every day. So I like the challenges of it.
1: Well, good, good, good. Yeah. Because when I first met you, you were, you were besides coming to work mm-hmm. on the radio you were doing uh you had your own uh kitchen design yeah. you know showroom and and doing all that um and honestly you know i'm not from uh the construction side yeah. i mean i can frame in a barn Absolutely. I can't do finish work or the dam, you know, that's just not, that's not, my, you know, if they snap together and anything that says some assembly required, I give to my wife. There you go. That's it. So that's, we have the Tracy construction company here, but how do you get, when you're doing that, how do people get really hands-on experience? I mean, that's so important. You can, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like being an architect. I think the best architects, and this is just my view, but are ones that have actually gone out and worked in construction uh, at some point yep. in their life.
0: I completely how, agree. How to, yeah, and yeah. and here's how I did it. I had done a lot of, um, I'd done some design stuff in community college. I liked architecture, so I'd taken some architecture drafting classes and stuff, and and all that, which I liked. But I really needed to get kind of immersed in it so same kind of thing if you can and the home centers are a cheap education right because here's the thing and I, and I'll say this respectfully to all the designers that are working in home centers but really that's the lowest price place you're going to get paid out there cuz you're an hourly employee and if you don't sell a kitchen you didn't lose anything you're not getting paid more cuz you sold it right it's not a commission based thing right so with a little training that they have, it's not a bad place to go to learn. Because when you learn the other way, going into um, you know the design field, many times you're on commission, and so the commission based off the sales of the cabinets. If you make mistakes, those are coming out of your paycheck. So it's really good to get the right. mistakes out of the way at the home centers because it's a safe place for you. And if you can navigate it through the home center, it's much easier to navigate it. On your own, so you're kind of if you can fight there with one hand tied behind your back, you'll do great out in the real world.
1: Okay, well, <clears throat> as you know, I'm very much into uh, uh, apprenticeships and and workforce uh, readiness and all that, and so I have it. I have seen, and you have seen that you know they've gone through training. They, they've learned the systems, mm-hmm. but the practical issues of, uh, are you sure that cabinet is going to dovetail into that wall like you really want, you know, yep. hypothetically? But I I really think that it's good if they get out there and swing a hammer a little
0: bit. Every designer, when I was hiring designers uh, with a horrible business part partner that I had, and we'll talk about that maybe a little later, but. When I was in Seattle, I was hiring designers and part of the training program that I had developed was for them to go out and spend a week or two in the field and we'd pay them to be out there installing kitchens so they understood how things went together and you, under- you could visualize where the mistakes would happen. If you knew how crown molding would go right. together, you'd pretty much design how crown molding went together correctly, right? Instead of just throwing in, uh, you need 12 sticks of molding and you figure it out, they could actually understand how it went. So- that's kind of how I did it back then. And it's the best way to learn is just hands on. That is the best way to learn that. And uh, especially if you've got somebody that's skilled as an installer and you're learning those best practices, it's really good for your career. And, you know, that's kind of the other reason I wanted to move out of the Tri-Cities as well. I had a number of reasons. One, I had a a mother-in-law that was very, at the time, my first wife there was overbearing so badly that we kept moving farther and farther away. And I was kind of moving away to try to save my marriage. So the mother-in-law wouldn't, uh, wouldn't just keep grinding into our lives and that didn't work either, but it was a good old, good old college try to create some distance.
1: I was going to ask, how'd that work out for you? Ah,
0: that was an expensive divorce with the kid's mom. But, uh, you know, again, sometimes those are good investments on that, but, uh, you know, um, I had a rough run there in the nineties to two thousands in relationships. And I'll just say that that was, you know, um, that one, I, I mean, I was married for 11 years and we just literally couldn't make it work. Um, mom was so important and, uh, uh more important than the marriage. And so when I would have mother-in-law come stay at the house for three, four, five weeks at a time and a very small, house in Gig Harbor that was 1,300 square feet, that got really old really quick.
1: I, I understand exactly when I said at the top of the show that you and I had a lot of similarities. Uh, our family, my family, and the family businesses were all very centric to one small area. And, um, you know, originally I was supposed to... I know this is your show, but I'm going to tell you this. I don't know if I ever told you this, but uh, I got an internship to the Washington Post just just before I graduated. And my folks called me one day and said, "Uh, your brother just bought this piece of property. It's got a big arena on it. Folks, if you don't know, I came out of the horse world and we want you to come run that. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm going to Washington, D.C. I'm going to uh, be a big time reporter. Mm -hmm. And so they really pressured me and they said, well, do it for a year. And then, um, if that doesn't work, you can, you can move on. Well, that never works either. First of all, the internship was gone. And then secondly, (laughs) after a year bringing the, the second farm up to speed, I was about 80 grand in debt. And this is about nineteen eighty, so you just don't walk away from that, no you know it's a lot of money So them. fast forward about thirty years and uh, as soon as I saw the opportunity, my wife and I went yep. gone so
0: anyway. <laughs> you understand you get it, yeah, you know,
1: I get it like that when you're in our business, the media business, and it doesn't matter what what sector you're covering mm-hmm. but it can be very, very difficult. And it can be very difficult on relationships, as you just alluded to. Yep. And you know, sometimes uh if something didn't work out, like you said, you got divorced and all that, and then you kind of look around and you say, Oh, this worked, you know, there's potential in in this person or that person, and you kind of go for it. But a lot of times I think that that's the old rebound thing yep. a bit and you get hooked up with something and, and then when that puts pressure on you then there's pressure not you don't have to be in the media business you can do anything yeah. but you get pressure from the rebound that um, was for me the ugly so one. I,
0: yeah my rebound yeah. after the divorce of being married 11 years <laughs> that was the one that got expensive real quick and that's the one that at least got me into rolling stone magazine you know yeah. but so, some of you probably have heard about let's let's dive into this, so I'm going to steer into this into this rut because that's what this was. This was a pothole that was the size of a Grand Canyon that I got myself into back then, and it's still revisiting itself today. so, um I had met a girl online, I think it was right when online dating first started out there, and so you know, I was single met a girl, oh, this is kind of cool. this is all good was very. I just didn't pay attention like I should have to the warning signs that were there. Um, I was having fun. I thought it was cool. And I ended up getting married to now she's running for Congress in North Carolina. But I, I, I got married into a relationship. This was back in, we got married on August 25th, 2007, and we're divor- uh, I filed for divorce on uh, July 6th, 2009, so it wasn't you know, under two years, but I put myself in misery for two years, and then it took me another probably three to get out from underneath it and cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, I look back and, and that relationship is probably the number one biggest mistake I made because she was just absolutely, truly an awful person. And you, that hasn't changed to this day.
1: Well, at least she wasn't doing a fans only page because they weren't invented yet. Exactly. At least none that you know of. Yeah. At least none that you know of. But the of. problem
0: yeah. with her was, and this is the problem in her, um, now she's running as Sandy Smith for Congress in 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 North Carolina. So I'll throw the name out there. And she lost this last bout, but she's already trying again. And so she came out as this, um, you know, Trump, Christian, conservative, you know, high morals, which she didn't tell everybody that she had been married. She's on her fourth husband. That came out. You know what I mean? And all right virtually every husband except for one who's in hiding that we can't find. And I, I see why he's in hiding. Um, there's all all claims of domestic violence. And, uh, you know, she's got a history from domestic violence, including with her own children where there's police reports for it. So it's it's one of those things that her dad was a con artist. And uh, I don't know if you remember seeing this back in the day. Remember those people who were on TV in the 70s and 80s that were selling ways to not have to pay taxes by using like homestead laws in California and the West Coast and and that whole thing. He got nailed for selling on television, one of those TV infomercials back in the day, hey, buy my $10 book and this will make it so you don't have to pay property taxes again. So anyway, he got ran out of California (laughs) because California was looking for him. So he had moved, I didn't realize, up to Washington in the Seattle area and was living around the corner for me, not realizing that was, you know, I was dating his daughter and, uh, it was, it it was like being married into a crime family, but they weren't smart. Just conniving.
1: (laughs) So, <laughs> well, she might she might do good in Congress then. Hell, if she's that, she way.
0: will. But the problem is, though, is she's not smart enough to not get caught. Like right now, here's a great example. I know right now, and I and I have no proof of this, uh, but I know her well enough that there's already been people talking about discrepancies in her campaign fund, you know, and those kind of things. And I right. know for a fact that the millions of dollars she's raising, she's not trying to win to be there. She's, this is a, this is a profit center for her, right? You know, she can go in there, pay her family members or an LLC consulting stuff, right. You know, can sit there and say, Hey, I've got a consulting gig and I know she's turning money back and forth and paying herself and and she's profiting off of that kind of through the back door. So, you know, it's uh, well, you just know those things are happening and um Again, that's my opinion. There's no, uh, there's no hard proof of that, but I think if somebody actually went through and looked at it and there's been a lot of people that have done a lot of look into it, you know, there's a great article on the daily beast where they did a whole story on her right there. And, uh, you know, they, they exposed her all of her different things that she did of, you know, asking how many times she's been married, you know, and then, you know, Oh, twice. Oh, three times. Well, I don't know about the fourth one, right. you know, that kind of stuff. So her story keeps changing and it's going to be interesting to see what happens in this campaign season. I'm sure I'm going to get drug into it again, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I just feel bad. Anybody that has been abusing people that have a long history of abuse like that. Uh, I mean, she's got a book that was, um, you know, that was written about her, her story is in there with me. Um, you can get on Amazon, but I tell you what, it's just. It's sad when you see someone that has gone through life and has a long history of abuse of others and now running for political office trying to, uh, trying to profit from that. And that's, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah. Well, it's a good thing you got
0: away from that. Though. Oh, yeah. But it's, she's kind of like a social disease. It, it just keeps coming back. <laughs> <laughs> There's there's no inoculation. There's not. No. So, you know, it's it's crazy. It's just one of those things that I think that's going to be one of those things that. uh Uh-oh.
1: We are experiencing some technical difficulties. Eric will be back. As soon as he puts more quarters in the parking. Meeting. I believe he's reentering the
0: studio. I am back. <laughs> We lost internet. See, we see it's uh, it, uh, I'll go Clyde Lewis conspiracy theory here. They just didn't want us talking about this subject. So. <laughs>
1: well, hell I'll, I'll, I'll go with that, man. <sighs> uh, yeah. The yep. tech issues I've had the last couple of weeks. It's like, you know, wow. 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 So. Um, it mm-hmm. all seemed to kind of fall together for you in a good way. Back when we met, well, oh, 2014, whenever it was, um, yeah. that it is kind of come full circle. And I think we all have to do that, Eric. I mean, as you know, yep. I put on, I've, I've produced and hosted a lot of big broadcasts on radio, done television for a long time, all that just, you know, same, same old. But I think, kind of, uh, well, let me put it to you this way: I'm a believer in karma. Yep. I believe that you you get back what you put in. Okay, and if you're decent to people, in that, and sometimes so, when you hit bumps in the road, and I'll get off my soapbox in a minute, folks, I promise. But when you hit bumps in the road, it's really the bump in the road 100%. is more like telling you, I think, to look at yourself. Look what you're doing. look at your surroundings, you know, and all that. So point in all that dribble is that since we started at Alpha within just a month or two of each other back in the day uh it's it's really come together for you as far as you you're now the the you know the host and you own around the house. Uh, you, you're doing a lot of TV. You you've got a show here locally on Fox Television show, I like that. No, um, you ever look back and and I mean you're not 80 years old. So do you look back and say, uh, yeah, it, it it was a good deal and it all made sense to get where you are today, yeah. sitting here talking to me. It all had to come into place. You know the I'm a big I'm a big Game of Thrones fans. <clears throat> and there's a couple of lines right in the last episode of Game of Thrones where the yeah. kid in the wheelchair goes, you're, you're right where you're supposed to be. And I, and, I, and I think of that sometimes. And I go, yeah, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Eric is right where he's supposed to be right Absolutely. now. So when that all came together for you, did, a, did the light bulb come on? Was there a little epiphany saying, this is the road I should be taking?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think a couple things happened, you know, the, you know, when, when, uh, handyman Bob, our buddy, uh, let me come on, you know, as a, as a guest on around the house with handyman Bob back in the day to him asking me to be the co-host to him retiring and me taking the show over. And then, uh, you know, my next step being, okay, I need to learn TV, but the best way to really learn TV is just do it. And doing those right. more Good Day Oregon segments for seven years or so, almost seven years before I stopped doing it. To me, not wanting to do a TV show, and then the right opportunity coming in. Yeah, I mean, it was a long, hard road, but I look back and go, "Yeah, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be." And, and, and in my head, I'm just getting started. There's no. I mean, I'm I'm super appreciative where I'm at. I got a great team on the TV side, uh, Bradley and 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 uh, even our uh, uh, associate producer, Ryan, who's helping out. Those guys are great, uh, putting a lot of effort in and really putting out a great show, but we're just getting started. You know, it's so funny. I, I had I had a <coughs> family member come up and go, hey, I really liked that episode a couple weeks back. And I had to think of what that episode was because right. when I looked at it, I'm like, when you're in TV and this is just a little inside, inside look, but when you're doing television, it's fascinating because I'm thinking a month ahead of now. And Mm -hmm. by the time I hand it over to Bradley to mix it up and it's done and it's going up to the satellite, it's weeks behind me now. And so it's interesting where people that are watching the show or this is this week's show, I'm really 30, 60 days beyond that in my head. And I have to actually go back because once I'm done with it, I have to create the mental space to work on the next ones. And so it's behind me. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's over yep. my shoulder. It's salt yep. over behind me and it goes into the abyss and we're just moving forward.
1: Well, you have to be that way. You, you can't stay um, current. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can't stay ahead. Um, uh, I as you know, I've done a lot of live TV and similar things. People will come up and say, Yeah, oh, I saw the show last week, you know, really liked it, da 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 da. And um uh, you have to stop and think, what what did I do? What did I mm-hmm. cook? <laughs> you know, I absolutely I I, I
0: don't know. Yeah, Especially when it's on construction so it, where I'm I'm ordering materials now for December, right? And trying to get everything yeah, here. It's yeah. like doing a house project all the time, you know? And yeah. like right now I'm fighting injury. Whoa. I ended up pulling some muscles in my shoulder, doing some stuff and probably pushing a little bit too hard. And And now I'm having to change around <laughs> the next few weeks of shoots a little bit to make it so it's an easier lift so I don't, you know, it's one of those injuries that I have to take the time and and not push it for it to get better. Otherwise it's gonna get worse. And so now I'm having to, you know, you have to, to revamp things a little bit just due to injury to go, okay, I can't really do that. But if I go this way and do this project instead, that'll make more sense. So I'm really having to be careful of what projects I'm tackling as well. Cause you know, it's, it's super fun doing TV and the, and the radio and the podcast and all of this stuff. I absolutely love it, but you're right. I have to balance in life with that too. Cause that's 60 plus hours a week. Right. JT. Right. Right. And I, yep. I have a wonderful wife. I've got kids. She's got kids. We have a family life that I have to balance within that, you know, and it's tough.
1: So let's, let's jump into that for a minute. Um, it's funny through all the things you, we talked about earlier and this and that, but, when I said karma, it kind of puts you you can call it whatever sure. you want uh in in the spot you're in now, but I think one of the things that really centers a person is family, yep. and you've got a good family um you've got your kids, Julie's got her kids, you're in a good spot you you're you're doing the show, Julie works in television blah 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 but I really think that you make a success out of yourself when you have some version. It's different for everybody of a family centric life. Yep. Um, you know, it 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 kind of uh levels the the waters a little bit, smooths them out, just and touch. you have to and it makes have it that. easier to do what we do.
0: I tell yeah. you what, um, there are days when. You know, that, that I'm fighting with my production crew because I want to go one direction and they think we should go another. But these are all right. people that I'm working this many hours with and we're, no, no, no kind of toxic to it, but it's just passionate people arguing no, no. it out and what's better for the show. And, and I like that, but it's nice to be able to go home and turn that off a little bit, you know?
1: Yep. Yep. I think that's one of the things that, uh, that really changed me a few years back, you know, back around 2008 or 10, I had been on a bullet train for 25 years and, and it hadn't stopped. And so People live their lives the way they choose, and that's fine with me. I have no problem with that. And I wouldn't tell anybody any different. But if you can find that spot, yeah. you know, it really, really, really makes it. And difference. I mean, we, are the, we the- are the
0: leanest production team doing an hour weekly television show on the planet. There's nobody that yeah. has a, that is doing what we're doing with less people.
1: We used to call that gorilla film.
0: I mean, you know, Bradley, you know, bless his heart. And I don't mean that in a Southern way where I'm trying to slam on somebody, but (laughs) you know, by the way, all you Northerners like me that live up North, when they say, bless your heart, that might not be a good thing, but yeah, I mean this in a, in a, in a true sense, that guy's cranking in 60, 70 hours a week as well. And cause not only does he have to shoot it, he has to put it all together and make a television show about it and get it out. So right. it's, it's a battle, you know? And, um, do we need about two more people in our crew to make this? Absolutely. Um, is that on the TV budget? It never is,
1: but it should no. be. If you, if you need five people, you're lucky to get yeah. two. Yeah. That's just the yeah. way it works. And so it, it, it it does that. What do you think has been the, the biggest uh, change for you personally? And what event, if there's any that has made the light bulb come on and say, I got to do it this way. I, I was doing it one way, and then the light bulb comes on and you go, that way was okay. It was working, sort of. But now we got to go here and make it better.
0: Man, I have those almost every week with the television show because even though we're doing really well, we've got great advertisers, every week we're still doing little mini pivots, right? You know, those little pivots that you're going, right. okay, that's what this is or or that. But I think really, um, I had a few of those, you know, when, when, when Handyman Bob retired and I could make the show more what I wanted to um, in some updates and stuff. I think that was one of those times that I went, Oh, this is cool. And I really kind of felt that, but I think really probably about week 10 or so in the TV show that I started going, okay, we're starting to, we're starting to get our sea legs underneath us and we're starting to really, to do this. But I think really once just a matter of a few weeks ago, that we did another slight format change with the show and just how we're doing it that I went, oh, I wish we were doing that 20 episodes ago. But yeah, we're still in that learning phase right now of, of making the show better and better and trying to have even more balance to it. Because, you know, you think about an audience. I mean, there's people out there that are just trying that have just bought a house that are just trying to keep the paint on the outside of it let alone doing a remodeling. They're just struggling trying to just keep the bills paid. And then there's other people out there that are, that are doing million dollar remodels that want to see the great latest and greatest. And we're trying to give them, trying to give everybody a little piece of something to enjoy on the show.
1: Yeah, no, that's uh that's smart. Um, it's kind of like barbecue shows um, in mm-hmm. a way, which I can very much relate to. There's only so many, um, techniques to cook a brisket yeah. you know brisket is the holy grail for a lot of barbecue people but when i look at that i say that's true and we do that but have you ever thought about using a tri-tip right you know it's a little, little easier a little different actually better quality in some mm-hmm. respects like that so yeah i think there's there's a balance there that you have to find to keep your audience going forward and, and sticking with you.
0: you yeah. Know? And you know, that's the, so, that's the challenge. Right. And, and for me it's hard because I have different audiences. I have the TV audience. I have the radio audience. I have the podcast audience. Right. And some of those are, those are all three right. different groups of people watching similar content, but different content. Right.
1: Yeah. Yep. So let me ask you a couple of questions here that we do on my show right. um, in a segment called After Hours, which is kind of the f- really, really fun, uh, irreverent part of the show. Awesome. That's uh, not irrelevant, people. It's irreverent. <laughs> There's two different meanings there. So um, if if I came to you and said, OK, Eric, um Pick somebody, pick a historical figure that you would like to have dinner with. They can be alive. They can be gone. If they're gone, we'll go dig them up and zap some life back into them for four hours so you can do this.
0: But who would that be? Boy, there's a lot of them out there. I would say historical in the world of house stuff, I would go to like Frank Lloyd Wright Wright, because I want to see his attitude in person you know he had a bigger than life ego in designing homes i'd love to just sit down with him and chat with him over dinner that would be fascinating to me
1: okay what's the biggest <clears throat> what's the biggest change or new product that's come along in the last 5 years that really affects everybody that owns a home or is even renting that that you've seen that you just went, wow, this is this is a piece of red velvet cake with you know fresh vanilla ice cream on it. I think I gotta do the food yeah, analogies.
0: I know? like it. I like it. Here's where I think I think it's I think there's different facets to that. I think on the safety side, there's now things you can plug in your home that will predict an electrical fire. So you legitimately, if you put One of these little plug-in devices in everyone's homes, you could predict 90% of the elect and prevent 90% of the electrical fires in the US. Just because you can do it. That's kind of cool. That's a safety thing that technology is going really cool as far as how that's going. You know what I mean?
1: What would be something personally, not for the house, but personally for Eric that you looked at and said, I gotta do this. I gotta try this. I gotta, you know, this is this is really me.
0: Probably for me and my you for me that was out there, you know, technology has helped me a lot. And it is also helped me manage my time better. So for me, I have to create that balance, that work-life balance, which is tough. And any time that I can find something that helps with that is key. So I, I, I use some technology and stuff that makes my life easier, but I think I'm honestly, one of the things that I've done is, and it's in my house, but I've done it for me was putting in that steam shower where I can just go relax and help the muscles, help the brain, help, let myself turn off. You know what I mean? And it doesn't yeah. really no, answer I, the question, but it, it kind of does, but that's one of those things oh. that just really helped, help me, find some quiet time and relaxation and quite frankly, a mix of that and losing 65 pounds in the last year and a half. I think getting my health under control was a really big one as well.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm on that journey now too. Yeah. You know, it, uh, creeps up on you.
0: Oh, (laughs) you know, It does. And, you know, when I realized going to the doctor that my doctor was like, hey, we're going to your blood pressure is a little high. We're going to put you on a really the smallest dose of blood pressure medication and your cholesterol is high. We're going to put this stuff on here. And I'm like, all right, these are things that I have control of that I'm now having to rely on medications with. Because of the choices I'm making and um, I'm not taking any stupid diets or any of that stuff that I'm never going to pay. I know better." You know, it comes down to putting the fork down, right? I mean, that's really, yeah. as my trainer always told me, I can't outwork a bad diet. Well, that is
1: true. And um, back when I was competing all the time, you know, you had to watch your weight. Just like being an actor or an athlete or anything else, you have to watch your weight. Um, uh, and i let that slip away over the last 10 12 years because of all the changes and the other thing is when i when i finally got back in the radio business years ago uh as you know you sit you sit yeah. a lot when you're doing this stuff <clears throat> the thing that kept me going <coughs> for so long was that i could we lived on a ranch and i had a studio on on my ranch and when i was done i'd get up and go outside yeah you, you know there was always work to do with the animals mm-hmm. or what have you right when i moved to town the, half of that equation moved yeah. away i was still doing the radio work but i i didn't have to go haul hay or fix a fence or change pastures for the horse whatever it yeah. was So I think that's really important for people. And as we get over 50, uh, that even becomes to me more important. Yeah. So, and I've, and I tried some of those diets and they'll hurt you.
0: And this is no endorsement. I went on, I'll just explain what I did. I went on to a online weight loss program called found that I did. And they don't pay me a dime. I don't have any affiliate links or anything like that. They they take money from me like they would anybody else. I'm in no program special with them. But with me um, and my insurance company, it was going to cost me out of pocket because my insurance, even though it's decent insurance, wasn't going to cover me going to a weight loss clinic, even though I was well overweight. So it was going to cost me 350, 400 bucks a month. And I'm like, well, I'll do this online one and it's it's 100 bucks a month. And I still talk to yeah. doctors, I'll still do that. And you know, so far so good and it you know, I've been doing it for probably 18 months now and and each month I'm losing weight. You know, I'm down from a from a 2XL down to an XL shirt, you know. And uh you know, I've gotten down a, I've gone through in the last 18 months two different belt sizes and not even including yep. the the holes yep. that I had to put in once when I was getting closer to like, ah, oh, I can <laughs> squeeze a little more out of this one to get to the next size. But uh you know. Yeah. Yeah. So but that's yeah, I get it's that. good. And I I, I went in <laughs> with my my I hurt my shoulder here last week and and um I know some of you guys will see that just in the TV because I'm I'm favoring my left hand a little bit, but uh long story short, uh, we're working on that, but um I really noticed that even in pain that my blood pressure and, and, and all my vitals were so much better, even though I was hurting and sitting in a, in a clinic, which I didn't want to be in. So.
1: Right. Right. Where do you see yourself five years from now?
0: Um, Where do I see myself? I see my, I see this show being the TV show being national. And I think um, I'd love to see twice as many radio affiliates that I have right now you know, and, a and a yeah. bigger crew and in five years, who knows, who knows what's happening with that, but that's kind of where I'd like to be. Cause you know, I've got a plan for, for the show and what I want to do with it. And, uh, you know, we're just getting started on the TV side and I want to kind of mesh the TV and the radio a little bit more. So that way we're going to start seeing the, the, uh, those two kind of being a little bit more symbiotic in that, that uh, we'll touch it on the TV show. But if you want to really dive in and get more information, I'm going to have more stuff on the radio and the podcast here than that. So I'm going to, I want to make it so they kind they kind of play well together. Uh, they'll be completely separate, but uh, there'll be some crosstalk in between them that if you're watching the TV and you go, wow, I want to mo- know more about that. We're going to dive into the weeds a little bit more in a bigger picture, which, which, you know, on TV, you know, uh, on a segment, we've shortened our. That's one of the changes we made on the TV show is we shortened our segments from 10 minutes down to like seven, just because sometimes they were getting a little long, even though there was a story to be told there, we wanted to make them a little more consumable for people, which, you know, is always interesting because you think about a news story, that's what 90 seconds. And then they're off to the next one. We're doing something in the news world that's considered really long with seven and eternity for 10.
1: Right. Right. What do you do for fun? You gotta have oh, fun. Oh yeah,
0: you know, music concerts. Music is the thing. Julie and I love hitting concerts. We love going out and having a nice meal. You know, that's the foodie side. That's the, you know, yeah. go out and whether I'm going to Lee's Kitchen or if I'm going to a, you know, um, a four star restaurant, right? Um, and a dive, a good low hung low brow dive bar and getting you know greasy spoon food, nothing wrong with that
1: no 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 no, it's uh yeah, it's a lot of fun, okay, so besides steel panthers, what's your favorite uh what's your favorite group
0: man I have so many favorite groups right now, and my 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 range goes all over the place so You know, we've always joked about Steel Panther, you and I, but really, I mean, I will get into, sometimes I'm listening to my buddy's band, uh, used to be called The Refreshments, but they're Roger and The Peacemakers. If you've seen that cartoon, King of the Hill, he does the intro to that on that cartoon. Uh, Yeah. You know, I'm always listening to those guys, but uh, a lot of the 80s hair metal, I'm still into. You know, me being a Gen Xer, yeah. that, that, the music of my uh, of my teenage years is still something I listen to today. But then I'll go over into country and and I'm a huge Chris Stapleton, old school steel drivers fan, you know? So I will cross over into that realm as well. And then if I can catch Buddy Guy playing the blues or or somebody else like that, it's always a good day.
1: Yeah, well, you know, uh, I started in the rock world. Mm-hmm. My first job was... Uh, a morning DJ, uh, in LA, uh, college station. Yep. And I was back there in the machine gun Kelly and, uh, all those yep. guys that was crazy, crazy stuff back yep. in those days. Um, and then I kind of ventured off into country and then I came back and then I ventured back into country. So you really, if you're going to be in this business too, you really have to have a good grasp of um uh, the different genres of yeah. music to to do it. You can't do it and just say, hey, I'm a I'm a I'm only a classic country guy or I'm only a classic rock guy, something like that. But like you said, I when I'm at home and I'm working uh in my office and I have YouTube or something on, it's usually yeah, Jimmy Buffett, Eagles, yeah. uh Dire Straits, uh, some REM yeah. You know, different things like that. I do that. like that new so, Jimmy
0: Buffett song that just came out Rest in Rest in Peace Jimmy Buffett, but uh Yeah. He's got a new yeah. one that got released that a couple a, days before uh before he passed that's really good. So
1: that my heart my heart still hurts yeah, for that. Yeah. Cuz he was his music not he, yeah. him personally, but his music was such a huge part of my life. He used to come play gigs at uh, the old Euphoria mm-hmm. Tavern. Down uh, Southeast Portland, there. And uh, in fact, he named uh, two of his boats after the Euphoria, yep. Euphoria 1, Euphoria 2. And uh, <laughs> that was good. That was good.
0: Yeah. No question. Um, no
1: question. Okay. Last yeah. question, buddy. If you were on death row, which I hope no, you never are,
0: I'm in Oregon. We don't but, even have death you know, row car. anymore. So I couldn't get on death row yeah. here, but yeah. As you're saying, <laughs>
1: um, and, and, you know, unless you got, uh, uh, what do they call it? Extradited yeah. to somewhere. <laughs> exactly. What what would your last meal be?
0: You know, it would be, I, and this is, this is funny and this is going to sound like an endorsement, but, uh, they can send me endorsement check right to me anytime they want. But, uh, it would be ringside grill. Steak and lobster.
1: Yep. Good place, yeah. Ringside. Been around yep. forever in Portland. Yep. But… Uh, favorite yeah.
0: steakhouse. Favorite steakhouse. I have not found… What? And I've eaten what? at some good ones. I've eaten at Gene and Giorgetti's in Chicago. I've eaten at uh, Harry Carey's in Chicago. I've hit some pretty decent places, but uh, I'm happy Ringside is, is, is in our metro area so I can go get it and I don't have to travel to go get my favorite steak.
1: Either you know, that or you just come to my house.
0: That's good too, brother. But you know what I mean? When you want that ambiance, right? You know, and you would just want to go in oh, there yeah. and, and uh, be treated well. And I mean, it's expensive. So we only go in there once or twice a year. It's not a, you know, it's not a, a common place that we go, but it's the, it's the special occasion when we want to celebrate something important kind of place.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the McDonald's drive through is not such a location.
0: Yeah, no. And then, you know, funny historical fact, I worked for them for five years through high school. I had my minor work permit at 14, and I was working, cooking fries at McDonald's at age 14.
1: Here's a little known fact, too, folks. Eric is not a big fan of pickles.
0: Because of that, actually. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with the (laughs) way McDonald's was doing their pickles. But I thought pickles were okay. Okay. You know, I kind of worked through them and it was not my favorite, but after having to clean out for five or six years, those empty five gallon buckets of pickles and scrub those things out and dealing with them, it turned turned me from not being a fan to, yeah, no, I'm ripping those things off.
1: Here's another little known fact. Eric's wife, Julie, loves my pickles. So there.
0: Absolutely. She does. Absolutely, she does. So, all right, buddy. Thanks, brother. Well, um,
1: yeah, this has all been fun. I hope everybody learned a little bit about you. And uh,
0: uh, um, we didn't give enough information for them to duplicate my identity. So, there we go. There you go. All right. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Thanks for coming on today, man. I appreciate it. And uh, thank you all for tuning in today. A little bit about me. So, that's why I wanted to bring JT on so we could have some fun instead of me sitting here trying to talk about myself which uh you know wouldn't be the most interesting thing in the world we uh had to bring in good friend JT so I appreciate it brother
1: I appreciate I appreciate you having all right me anytime
0: thanks buddy and uh for people to find your stuff JT where do they go
1: uh the stratosphere mostly oh. but uh um, we talking the casino yeah, or you, are you can talking find the You know, Bob Stupak's thing in Vegas, the big tower deal. No, You can find it on, uh, well, any of your platforms, Uh, you know, we're out there at Apple, Amazon, blah, blah, blah. The list is lengthy. You can find either barbecue nation or I don't know know if you can really see it, but the the grilling at the green that goes into production in about two weeks.
0: There's a little sneak Uh, one.
1: We're turning that. Yeah. A little TV show there. Grilling at the green. And um You can find it there where I don't know the affiliate list as well as you do, but we've got radio stations also across the country. And then I do uh, TV stuff, starting to do TV stuff with you on your show and then in uh, Tulsa and Texas and that little vignettes I'm on there on a frequent basis. So I'm around. If I got any rounder, I'd just roll. So it's (laughs) easy.
0: I love it, brother. I love all it. Right. Well, thanks for coming on today, man. I'm Eric G, and for GT you've been listening to Around the House.
1: Yes, you have.
0: Somewhere unseen and undiscovered, anywhere beyond the mean, life is a love song. Let's be lovers. We're all over the radio take my i know to go all with you hey it's eric g from around the house are you planning a decking or siding project this year if you are you've got to check out my friends at millboard millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction hand molded from the finest oak